Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Great Ancestor Ma was sick. The superintendent of the monastery asked him, How have you been feeling lately? The great ancestor replied, Sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha. This morning, I'd like to, I'm going to, because I'd like to, <laughs> kind of focus on, talk more about the, this field that I've been mentioning, ex seeing and experiencing in, in the koan and in my experience hanging out with this for the last few days. Um, you know, I think more of my exploration had been the comparison of sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha in my experience, noticing the things I notice about that. Um, when those names are applied with the the note about sun-faced Buddha living for 1800 years and moon-faced Buddha just a day and a night. What I've been doing prior to, and then even more so after getting the commentary from 10K to say, well, what's your own sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha? Yeah. Is it longer? Is it short? Just explore that and look at that. And that's what I've been yeah, exploring this past few days. And what I notice is when I'm in the midst of an experience, I have no idea how long it's going to last. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in a sun-faced Buddha or moon-faced Buddha experience. And I don't know that until it's over. I don't know how long it lasts until it's done, and then it's no longer there with me, yeah? So on the quantitative side, I can't divide it up and figure out, well, what's my experience? Is this a sun-faced Buddha experience or moon-faced Buddha experience? You know, if, it, if things can even be categorized and pinned down as such, yeah? And what I do notice is there are some times where I feel like, ah, I could live forever. I am living forever. I feel that vast expanse of 1800 years of life. Things just that feeling uh, open and wide and just with ease, usually and vitality, whatever that is. And other times things feel very tenuous and shaky and uncertain. And though I don't know how long they're going to last, there's a, you know, uh, an ephemerality, a, a tentativeness, a the impermanence of them is really present that I really don't know. Is this going to be like the next step? Is that going to continue this or fall away? And it could be a good experience or a, a negative experience, but I still don't know. How long is this going to be? Um, but that's, you know, the qualitative. That's what my mind is bringing in my thoughts. And that's what I'm bringing to the situation itself. Whereas when I look at, in retrospect, mostly, and reflecting on all of my life, really, it's just one seamless happening, yeah? With many twists and turns and some long straightaway roads and some 
maddening switchbacks here, there, here, there, here, there. But there's never a part where my life stopped and there was a gap and then it picked up again. There's always been a seamlessness to it. So there in the midst of feeling tenuous about things or even feeling things are wide open and going to last forever, there's still an, another kind of continuity, that seamlessness that is not contained or bound by the qualities of my experience. There's just that thread running through, or maybe it's that, you know, again, the river beneath the river, Rio Abajo Rio, always there, holding everything that I'm going through, informing it, and also giving it a place to be, uh, the things I'm experiencing, giving them that field that I've been mentioning. So a river or a field. I'll go back to the field thing, because uh, that's what's been coming up for me. And um, well, that's what I feel with Ancestor Ma. He's, as I've mentioned, he's not only sick, he's dying. And it feels to me, in one respect, as old as I am, as long as I've lived, as, you know, feeling sick now, looking back on things, I can say sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha. You know, Ancestor Ma bringing that in. Not as something he's, um, well, maybe both as something he's connecting with in the present, not realizing for the first time, but realizing in, in his situation. Even here, as I'm dying, I find sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha, just as I have found to be the case my entire life. You know, at some point in his life, just like in all of our lives, after going through the back and forth for a while, will this last forever? Will this disappear? You know, going through those switchbacks and the straightaways, kind of dropping into that larger field more and more and realizing, oh, it's always sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha, held by a larger field of experience or that river beneath it all, carrying it, helping it flow, flowing with it. Hmm. So for me, a, a smile comes to the to my face as Ancestor Ma. It's like, ah, even now when it's coming to an end, no different than it has been all throughout. Yeah. Hmm. And I appreciate, I appreciate that because that's what I notice, like I said, in my own experience, that like I was talking about the other day, being sick um, <laughs> myself, but not really, you know, post-COVID vaccine sick. And that was where it was really interesting because, like I said before, when I've had the flu, the real flu, <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to last, but I remember times in my life, in my life, when I was really sick, so sick that I thought this is just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. There's no way I can recover from this. It was like that kind of sickness. Even though my mind knew that's not really the case, my experience was not letting that in. There was like, no, this is it. This is the condition for the rest of your life. Then go to the other day where it's like, well, this is a result of getting a COVID shot. And it feels like the flu but I understand it's temporary and I brought it on myself. I didn't know if it was coming, but I knew it was a possibility. And so I was able to 
not have this thing of, oh, it'll pass, but more like, huh, I wonder how long this is going to be around <laughs> and be curious about it and not let the experience bring me to the place of, oh my God, I'm going to be broken forever. <laughs> um, and it turns out it was just, you know, day and a half or so, if that, then it was gone. And strangely, I feel more energized and more, I have more vitality than I've had in a long time following this shot. Yeah. And that's interesting to experience. Like, what's going on? I guess I was feeling kind of bad for a while, but didn't realize I was feeling bad until this cleared something out. I don't know if that's what happened. Um, talking with Wendy, we got our shot on the same day and had the same experience afterward. And she said, you know, at the hospital where she works, they hear sometimes that is how it is for people. They just get like, boom, and they, they're rejuvenated afterwards. And for others, there's kind of a lingering malaise for a few days. And unfortunately, that's Wendy's experience. She's still kind of, she's not as bad as we both were on Sunday, but she's still, it still lingers with her. So sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha, perhaps, or it's kind of the yin yang of us, Wendy and I. Um, it's like we could have predicted, yeah, this is how it's going to go. You're going to, you're going to feel sick longer than I, and I'm going to bounce back quicker. So, but again, that's a tangent, another, another story. Um, so even in that, all the sicknesses of my life, all the wellnesses of my life, all the in-betweens of, I don't know if I'm sick or well, but here I am moving through that larger field beneath it all. That we experience all the time. But I think we endeavor to experience it with this practice of ours in this way with our meditations. You know, when we, when we make the time to sit and do nothing, we're encouraging, inviting, intentionally opening up and dropping into that field for however large and for however long it wants to be at any given time. Then we move back into our life, pick up the things of our day, and then meditate again, drop into the field, go to a retreat, drop into it more deeply. It gets really wide and deep usually during those, yeah. And there can be that back and forth between what well, we often will say, well, my practice versus my life, you know, my practice is this and that and that, but then my life is this other thing, right? I go to retreat, then I come back to my life and I meditate in the morning, but then my life begins or my life got in the way and I wasn't able to meditate today or this week or this month. Yeah. We keep doing the back and forths of our meditation and our living our daily livings and that field tends to expand and grow beyond our meditations and into our life and then we can have the experience of the, these are not two they're just different activities that i'm doing meditation activity doing the dishes activity going to an appointment activity all else and then we find the fields there beneath it all the time more and more, never not there. We're never out of it, yeah. And this has always been so, but I think like in my experience of my mind, experiencing the sickness and thinking this isn't going to end, I'm gonna be like this forever. Those, that quality of experience that's informed by my ideas 
fades more and more so that I can just have the quality of my experience without having to wonder, is this forever? Is this just for now? I can just have it be as it is for what it is and keep wondering and noticing. And that's why I think this sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha, I can't talk about until it's over. And I can apply it afterwards and say, oh, that was a sun face Buddha moment. That was a moon face Buddha moment. And in between the two, there is no seam, no gap. Again, one seamless moving all throughout. So I came across a couple of things that speak to this. Well, first I wanna actually explore where this koan comes from in, in this interesting movement. It's in the Blue Cliff record. This is the third case. And I was noticing hanging out with this kind of a seamless journey between the, the first three, actually the whole Blue Cliff, you can take it up and kind of see this journey that happens with it. Um, so I'm just gonna look at these first three briefly. We start with Bodhidharma meeting with Emperor Wu and the conversation where the emperor says, what's the first principle of the holy teachings? Bodhidharma's reply, vast emptiness, nothing holy. And the emperor says, who are you standing here before me? Bodhidharma replies, I don't know. <laughs> so that's, that's entering that place of my mind figuring things out and labeling them you're like, what's the, what's the first principle? What's, how do I organize this? How do I understand this? Having that taken away, it's wide open, vast emptiness, nothing divided and pinned down and specified, nothing holy in response to that particular question, but it's wide open. Don't hold, you know, whatever I hold on to isn't it. Yeah. And then that rolls into myself. Who are you? Oh, I don't know. It's like, oh, and it's not an I don't know as, um, as, uh, as an identity, nor is it an I don't know, as in hell if I know. <laughs> it's more of a, that curious, who are you? Ah, I don't know. I keep journeying along and I keep discovering that, but I can't say who I am. I don't know. Yeah. So the loosening up of things happening there with that first koan of the blue cliff. Then we move into the second one where... Um, Zhao Zhou talks about not abiding in clarity. Yeah. Kind of saying, well, there's clarity and there's delusion or confusion. And I notice I don't abide in clarity. So the clarity doesn't stick. That knowing and that, ah, it's clear. Or, ah, this is going to go on forever. It doesn't stick. And I can't abide there. So I don't abide in clarity. And then the person asks, well, then what do you abide in? And he says, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So another, I don't know, which is that curious, hmm, what do I abide in? I don't know. To me, that feels more deeply abiding in something, abiding in it rather than residing in it. Yeah. If I reside in it, here's my place, here's my home. I know the address. I'm coming to it and I'm going to sit down and take care of it, maintain it. Abiding is like, hmm, it's something that's happening already, I feel, yeah. And if I try to pin it down and name it, then I'm no longer really abiding in it. I'm propping it up and holding it in a way, yeah. But anyway, it's another I don't know opening up moment. 
So those first two have that kind of dropping away of anything fixed and set and figured out. And then I feel that like maybe that's the place that ancestor Ma is in. He's in that place of abiding and not knowing and going along with curiosity. And then from that's where that field is, that field of not knowing and um, wondering, journeying. And then he finds arising within it that response, arising from within it that response. How are you feeling lately? Instead of saying, I don't know, he goes, huh, sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha. They arise of themselves. They show himself, themselves to him. Yeah. And that's how it feels. The journey down into dropping and opening and then, oh, look what arises right here. So interesting to see that weaving, winding journey in just those first three, and it goes on from there. But that's where I'll stop with the Blue Cliff, of course. But now to the um, couple other things that I came across or that arose for me. One I came across, one that arose. This first one's from a Tibetan teacher in the Nyingma tradition, Nyosho Ken Rinpoche. Activities are endless like ripples on a stream. They only end when you drop them. Human moods are like the changing highlights and shadows on a sunlit mountain range. All activities are like the games children play, like castles being made of sand. View them with delight and equanimity, the grandparents overseeing their grandchildren or a shepherd resting on a hill, watching over the grazing flock. Yeah, so that to me has that journey of noticing these activities, they come and go, like the children playing, like shadows and highlights moving. Um, in that first bit when he says, they end only when you drop them. To me, it's not, not dropping the activities, but dropping the identifying of activities and the dividing up, which could have that seem quality, this activity, then that activity. So the dropping of them means dropping into the seamlessness of the activities and noticing. They're not activities, it's just happening, activity, one life stretching along seamlessly, yeah? One happening through and through. But I really like the end, you know, be a grandparent, looking at, you know, sit back as a grandparent, opening up that open field and looking at your experience, your moods, your activities, uh, your situations, the things you go through emotionally, mentally, physically, as your grandchildren playing. <laughs> or like that shepherd watching the flock of sheep graze, just doing what they do, but providing that field and that space to just watch on them like that and engage with them, you know, Grandparents are great at providing an open field and also playing with great delight and love and joy in that field with whatever's there too, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that came to mind was from Hakuin Ikaku's uh, Song of Meditation from our sutra book where it says, the, um, the gate opens, cause and effect are one. There's no two, no three. The formless form comes into form. Yeah. 
I like the, the gate opens to the field. Yeah. And because the gate opens, things can enter and pass through the gate into the field, out to the other field, beyond the field. But that gate opens and cause and effect are one. So there again is that the seamlessness comes. Cause and effect, not two things. There's a seamlessness between them. And there's no two, there's no three, you know, dividing and categorizing. There's none of that. There's just this right here, the field, the open gate. And the formless form comes into form. Yeah. Which I, you know, it's, I, I love that because I, what, what can I do with it? I can't pin that down. The formless form comes into form. One of those things that if I try to figure out, I can't, but when I don't, it's like, oh yeah, I get it. I know that. I know what they're talking about. That's me. <laughs> That's you. Endlessly, shadows and highlights across the mountains, right? Formless form coming into form all throughout you, within you, around you. And then he says, you know, when with this formless form coming into form, going and returning, we are in the right place. Yeah. And that's the experience too of that seamlessness and the thing that hits us, hits you. When the when the quantifying of things or the qualifying intentionally drops away and you're in the field, you can see your your entire life, the formless form has been coming into form and Though it tends to take retrospect, you know, you've never been anywhere but in the right place. Yeah. Despite how it seemed, there was never a, a place where it split, created a seam, created a gap. The gap itself maybe was a downward dip, but it was still the territory. There was still land there. There was still happening. There was still your life. Yeah. So on and on like that, this sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha, seamlessly happening, which brings you know, the, uh, the words from, well, first, set your eyes on the absolutely inextricable within yourself from 10K at the end of his other commentary. For me, that's the field. That's the thing that's absolutely inextricable. There's a field within me, beyond me. So not like a small, well, at once a smaller field of me, but also a field, a portion of the greater field arising as me, within me, that is inextricable. That field has never not been, yeah? His set your eyes on the absolutely inextricable within yourself sounds kind of mm, direct, kind of that samurai feeling when I read it one way. So maybe if I say rest your eyes, I notice I'd, I'd prefer to say that. My experience is more like, ah, rest my eyes, rest my gaze upon that which is absolutely inextricable within me. And just like the moon we were speaking of earlier, when I rest my gaze upon it, I find it is also resting its gaze upon me. Seamlessly, the gazing between the two that are not two there. And then this thing from Roberto Colasso that the Buddha said, and this it turns out to be just a few days before he died. <laughs> but he said, splendid and many colored is the island of the Jambu, this world of ours. Yeah. 
and sweet the life of humans. So he seems to be in the same place for me as ancestor Ma, looking back on all that he's gone through, experienced and struggled with and enjoyed and helped happen and benefited all those he has benefited and what he has benefited from in his life, his wide open fields and long stretches of road and switchbacks of this and that throughout his life. He looks on it all, I think with that same smile that I find with ancestor Ma and says this, yeah. Splendid and many colored is the island of the Jambu and sweet the life of humans, yeah. This life of humans is your very life, our very lives here and now. All your twists and turns and straightaways and seemingly dead ends and um, those, oh, this is unbearable times, which turned out not to be true. For though it felt unbearable, here you are. You bared it. It was bearable. You're still going seamlessly as you always have been. On and on like that in your vast illuminated field, endlessly sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha, you-faced Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter.